I know we do a Long Beach sports show every week here at the 562.org. We call up what up Long Beach, but this, my friends, this is a Long Beach sports show. We are about to talk to Rob Wygod, the exiting CIF Southern Section Commissioner, Long Beach guy, dude who's been with us through most of our career, really. He kind of came in right after we just started covering Long, Long Beach sports at the Post and the Gazette and obviously the Press Telegram and now here at the 562.org. And also through all that time, you know who else has been with us? Bobby Bruin. We're going to have Bobby Houck on the show as well at the end to talk about working at a local camp at Long Beach State. That is really one of the many reasons why I love Long Beach community so much because we just love sports. And that's what we do as well. I'm JJ. He's Mike. He's Tyler. We're about to talk to Rob Wygod. Guys, obviously, we already had the conversation. We're doing this intro right now. But uh, overall, what did you get out of it without spoiling what we're about to talk to him about? Well, a little uh, a little peeling back the curtain from JJ, a little BTS action. I love that. Some DVD outtakes. You get um, it. Scenes before the scenes. You're watching the commentary <laughs> before you're watching it. Um, you know, I just, uh, you mentioned a couple of times when we were talking to him, but I just always appreciate his candor. You know, I, I mean, I, I think that you don't necessarily expect to be able to get the top boss in, in high school sports in Southern California to talk about specifics with say a Sierra Canyon basketball team or, um, the things that we're able to talk about with him. And I, I've always appreciated that about him. When we first started, he was talking about poly football He's talked really openly with us about the challenges of a uh, modern day and Bosco and the sort of Trinity league. And at one time mission league, super power football team. So I, I just always ap appreciate that. I think that, um, you know, sometimes when you talk to like, I, like I'll give you an example. I talked to Andy fee yesterday, you know, uh, he's leaving Long Beach state. I had a very different off the record and on the, on the record conversation with Andy fee. That's true of a lot of the people that we talk to who are especially sort of the higher up a, uh, Pyramid, no pun intended, you go. And more I'm, more I'm, dollar signs next to some of those names than others, yeah. Yeah, but, I, but I've always appreciated that about Rob, that, um, you know, he's, he's, pretty, he's pretty open and, and frank. I've always appreciated him being an open book, uh, not just with us, but, but with other media members. I think that that makes things healthier. The three of us talked about being very impressed with his leadership during the pandemic um, as, honestly, maybe the best example of how to like lead with transparency and honesty. And I do think that that fundamental aspect of his personality is a big part of why he's so effective in, in those times. I, I would, I would say uh, this isn't necessarily too much to do with the interview because it's kind of defined his whole tenure, but it really did ring through when we talked to him earlier. I think Rob's just a pragmatic romantic. I feel like he genuinely has a belief of, of the purity of high school sports. They, you know, they, they call it education-based athletics and it's super important. And I think he has such a strong uh, connection to it because it's defined his life so much. Um, so I think he really believes in the purity of that, but he's also realistic about how the world has shifted, how that's, it's not the, the same world that he went to high school and was a student athlete in. And it's never gonna be the case. Every generation is gonna make things different, change somehow, no reason to fight it, just got to embrace it. But uh, I, I think he he still knows the ideals that are important and that still can and do ring true while also acknowledging the reality of some programs are just better. Some have more money. Uh, some people are doing it for the wrong reasons. There's all these other forces. We have to be honest about them. We can't just put our head in the sand and be like, well, this is what we believe and this is what we want to focus on. And so I think the awareness of what's going on, but also the sort of guiding North Star that that he's always had and the CIF has always had 
I, those things don't always <laughs> coalesce. There's sometimes there's friction there, but I think he's realistic about the landscape that we're facing while also trying to hold true to some of the ideals that are really foundational within CIF and, and more specifically uh, within high school and, and youth athletics, really. Well, no more gilding the lily. Here he is, Rob Wygott. We seem to talk at this time every year, huh? <laughs> like every year we hang out and we're talking and the conversations are always so candid and honest and, uh, and really having the student athletes interest in mind at all times. And, and we really appreciate that, Robin. To be honest with you, you're talking to three guys right now who uh, don't want to see you go. Does that make sense? Are you, oh, are we're bummed as fuck, Rob. Are, are, you very those, are you getting a lot of those uh, reactions from around town? Uh, people just saying like, just stay, just stay. He's well, getting a lot of those reactions in the office. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's certainly been very nice to hear from a lot of different people. And um, I think you always appreciate the relationships and, and friendships that you're able to, to build in a, in a position like this one. You know, the people that I've had a chance to meet that I never would have met. You know, people that are doing great things for students and student athletes all over the place. And uh, so, yeah, it's been gratifying that way. But, you know, I, I still think it's important for me uh, most importantly, is that I focus on this final year. There's lots of work for us to do. And, and I believe some momentum to build upon last year, you know, keep that momentum going forward. So, you know, yeah, there's a date in August 1st of 2023 when, you know, we'll close the curtain. But I, I honestly don't want to make this next year about uh, some of that. I think it's really important that, that the focus stays where it needs to be and where I've tried to keep it on my years that I've worked here is on the students and student athletes in our organization and continuing to progress and move forward. And as I said, I'm, I'm very, very uh, grateful for, for so many nice things that have been said and, and, uh, and all that. But I honestly, you know, it's, it's time to go to work and we got plenty to do this year. Real quick, before we move on to this year, are you guys going to be kind of grooming an interim or somebody to take your spot? Is there going to be somebody shadowing you this year? Or are you guys just going to run through the year and then figure that out next summer? Well, you know, JJ, I really don't have a direct involvement in this process uh, for the selection of the new commissioner. So that will be run by our executive committee. And so uh, they're going to be working on that. We have actually our first executive committee meeting is tomorrow. So uh, they'll be starting to discuss what they want to do and the timeline and the certain process they want to follow. So honestly, you know, I won't have a whole lot of uh, involvement in, in what they do going forward on that. Um, so this has been, it's been a kind of a weird week for me, Rob. I'm just saying uh, goodbye to, uh, lots of friends just interviewed, uh, Andy Fee yesterday, leaving Long Beach state. One thing that came up with him and I've had this conversation with, uh, the heads of, uh, school districts, heads of universities, you obviously on top of high school sports is, um, the last two years really took a toll on everybody, you know, and I'm, I'm wondering how much that factored into your decision or what your thoughts are on that, that it does seem like there's a really big drain from super qualified people at the top of organizations because they're just like, I'm exhausted. I got us through it and I'm ready to maybe not think about all this stuff for a little bit. <laughs> and fair, fair statement and fair question. But I honestly don't feel that way. I, I can continue to do this. Uh, I, I am in, in no way burned out or don't enjoy it. I've always enjoyed what I do and who I do it with. And I still feel that way. I will agree with you that, um, you know, we face some of the most difficult challenges that we've ever faced. That didn't have as much, I mean, it, it had a very, very profound effect on me because of what that meant, but it certainly energized me too. Any mm -hmm. thoughts that I had about uh, thinking about retiring were 
put behind, you know, the back burner. I, I was so focused on how I don't want to leave this organization at a time when it has been so difficult for us. So honestly, I, I was probably as energized as I've ever been through the difficult times. But I will also then say that to emerge from that, and last year was really important, I feel, to have reestablished everything that we typically do, all the sports championships at section level, regional level, state level, you know, having a great year financially and getting the financial stability back uh, for us. So the, then, it, then there was certainly a thought about, okay, you know, that I won't have to leave this to somebody else to try to clean up. Um, I just felt that responsibility. I, I, I couldn't in, in conscience walk away at a time that we've never faced before and say to somebody else, well, now you, it's hard enough, hard enough to take over as a commissioner without having to do it right. at a time like but so, yeah, like I said, I, I, I could continue to do this. I enjoy this. I really do. Um, it's my 40th year in education coming up. Um, it seems like the right time. I think it's the right time for me. It's the right time for the organization. You know, we've, we've weathered, hopefully, the worst that we'll ever have to weather. And we're at a very strong position. And it just, I think that's the time you, that you should, in fairness to everybody, that's the time you should, should hopefully turn it over to somebody else. Rob, I wanted to ask, uh, and I we are excited to look forward at the year ahead, but I, I am curious, you know, th there was a lot of, as you talked about, the last two and a half years have been pretty crazy for you and your entire team. Um, but obviously your tenure has seen a lot of growth uh, in Southern Section and just a lot of changes in high school sports kind of across the board. I'm curious, what are you most proud of during your tenure of what you and your team uh, were able to accomplish during during your run? I appreciate that question, Tyler, and I appreciate the way you phrased it. It has been a collaborative effort. I mean, I realize as the commissioner that you are at the front of that, you're at the top of the letterhead. But, you know, none of this gets done really without the membership. Our member schools been fabulous. Our staff is second to none, and I've been clear about that for as long as I've worked with these wonderful people. Our executive committee and their vision, their support. But I think, you know, a lot of us would probably say, and I used to kid with you guys, I think you remember, you know, when we got the competitive equity playoff discussion going that uh, while many people believed it was the right thing to do and there was a lot of, of interest in, in going forward with it, you know, my gravestone was going to say that's the guy that thought it was a good idea. Um, and so I understood that. One way or the other, right? One right. way or the other. There's, there's roses exactly. or there's something else next to the gravestone. Yeah. Well, exactly. <laughs> so I, I, but I embrace that because I, I feel as the leader of an organization, you know, you do have to step out and say, I'm willing to take a stand here. I'm willing to commit to something I think is going to be beneficial. So I think we could all agree. I would like to think we can agree. Better Equity Playoffs has made a huge difference in the way things are, are being done now, opportunities that student athletes are getting. Um, you know, something you don't see a lot of, but our member schools, uh, I think, have directly benefited from the CIFSS home system, which is the electronic uh, system that we use with all of our membership. I mean, every step of what they need to do, uh, financial forms, uh, paying their dues, uh, transfer paperwork, playoff entries, league standings, uh, online ticketing now with everything being done on the online ticketing platform and how much that has made it more efficient and, and better for our schools. I mean, there's just been a tremendous amount of advances and progress made in the ability of our membership to do the job. And so I'm very proud of that. I'm proud of the expanded uh, championship opportunities. You know, we, especially for girls sports, you know, look at the growth of girls wrestling, where it's pretty much now taken a, a step to become exactly a mirror of what we do in boys wrestling. Um, look at uh, girls lacrosse, boys lacrosse too. Look at, uh, 
cheer, traditional competitive cheer. Look at girls beach volleyball making its debut this year, uh, first time championship sport for us. Girls flag football is up next and, and we'll yeah. see that vote in September. So, you know, when you think about the expanded championship opportunities, especially for our girls students and girls student athletes, I, I think that's been something that I'm, I'm, I'm very proud to have seen that. You know, our financial position where, heck, this last year we rebated uh, the entire amount of membership dues for 21-22 to our schools. For the 22-23 school year, we've already forgiven membership dues for this coming year. That's about a million and a half, $1.5 million over these last two years that our schools are going to save uh, in, in real money that they can use for whatever purposes they choose to use it. Uh, so I'm really proud that we're able to be in a position to help them. And there's more to come. We'll have more things that we're going to be doing to continue to support our mission and our membership financially. Um, you know, our 100th anniversary was, it was a while ago. I understand it was the beginning of my tenure pretty much, but, you know, to be able to celebrate this organization's 100th year and, and all the tradition and the excellence and the things that it stands for, you know, I was, it was fun to be the guy in charge at the time that we were able to, uh, to do the 100th anniversary. So, you know, like I said, those are maybe some, some of the things that I guess stand out, you know, more than others. Um, and again, collaborative, as you even phrased it in the question, it's, it's really been a, a team effort, a group effort of a, of a lot of people who care about students and student athletes and, and how can we serve them and, and do as much as we can to make it better for them. And that work won't stop. You know, it's not you put your umbrellas in the drinks and your sunglasses on and say everything's done. It, never. It, there's always the effort to improve. Always no, we need to you to rest. Once you're done well, with that commission, we need it, you on the sideline. No, we're not, it, you know, and it won't be because it, it just, I, I'm fully aware of that. Every single day that I've, I've worked here, I've said, you know, what, what can we do better? What, what can we improve? How can we refine this? And, uh, and that will continue with competitive playoffs. As you know, we've done some definite uh, changes over the last couple of years and, and we're going to continue to do that. So, you know, there's just a lot that, that's out there, but, I hope uh, there's a good foundation to continue to to build on this momentum and and uh, and get, and keep progressing. That's the point. So, if you look at the other side of the spectrum, is there anything that happened in your tenure that, uh, if you wanted to take the five six two dot org sports time machine backwards to kind of change the way you approach something or a decision you make, is there something that sticks out where you're like, mm, if I just did that one a little bit different? Yeah, I think there's there's uh, well there's an environment where I say the last six or seven years that I I really I've really been kind of disturbed to see to keep developing, which is this idea that high school sports is supposed to be a business, and we're supposed to be focused so much on the next level and the next opportunity beyond high school, and how so much of that is is making an impact on on the daily existence of education-based athletics. I mean we're my first message from the commissioner in 2011 was what we are and what we are not. And what we are is education-based, teaching life lessons, using the high school athletic platform to, to do that. Uh, we're not a professional business. We're not focused on getting scholarships and, and pro contracts. That's not our focus. It's not our primary charge. Are we proud of the students that do that? Of course. But um, the 400,000 student athletes in our section Less than one tenth of one percent are going to go on and do that. So again, to see over the last several years, there this emphasis kind of getting getting more and more a part of the story. I have to go to this school. I have to get exposure. I have to get now even you know adding on the NIL uh, circumstances. I, that's that's disheartening for me because I in in my heart I'm a purist when it comes to high school athletics. I was not the high school athlete who was going to play in college. I was not going to be that guy. So. You know, it's always been the special, special place for me. 
And, uh, and I want it to continue to be that. And I, I think it, it is that in a lot of places, but I don't know that the attention um, is as equal for where we, I think are continuing to fulfill our mission. There's an awful lot of attention paid to those that are involved in what I call the business of high school sports. And, and that's continuing to, to kind of become a narrative that I wish there was a wand to wave or there was a, a thing that I, I could do. You know, the rules haven't changed in the last 10 years. So what has changed and why are we in this position if the rules haven't made it any different, but yet we certainly see what's happening um, at the higher levels, especially, but you know, you're seeing it more and more throughout the spectrum. I mean, the, the students are moving schools and they're moving for a variety of reasons, but um, that would always be something that I, I would just wish we were more of a, of a school centered, uh, high school sports centered. Uh, that was our priority more so than, than everything being chasing the dream for the future. I concur. Um, yeah, you know, I think we're all, uh, all of us, what, what I think people would now describe as sort of romantics about um, youth sports and, and high school sports and what you guys call education-based sports. Um, I think uh, uh, it sort of makes you long for the days of like 2009 when we were sitting there talking about like transfers was the only. <laughs> you start bringing in the TV deals and the NIL stuff and the, the personal brands and all that. And it definitely is a new world. I, I want to ask you a little bit more about that, Rob. Obviously, you and I have got quite a few mutual friends. Uh, I was with one of our mutual friends over the weekend. Uh, I was standing with Frank Burleson and uh, at the uh, big guy. The big guy at uh, at Alex Carmen's uh, one of his Beach City Hoops events he puts on, and you know Frank and I obviously feel the same as you. It's so fun to see someone you covered like Alex sort of grow up and move into this world. But I, I asked him, I said, "What do you, you know? What do you think about uh, Rob announcing his retirement?" And uh, he basically looked at, him, at me and he's like, "Wouldn't you?" You know, <laughs> and he and he and he he said, "You know, there's there is this feeling, and I think you touched on it a little bit, but I think when you read." sports writers or you talk to administrators who've been around for a while, there is a feeling a little bit that the wolves are at the door, right? That that at least in terms of, you, you're absolutely correct in saying, and we're on the ground level, we see it. Girls wrestling team, nothing's affecting the girls wrestling team. That's something that exists now that didn't exist and it serves these kids and it's great. But in terms of the larger story around high school sports and certainly Southern California's arguably the the driver of this or, or the hotbed it is what you're hearing about is a team like sierra canyon that's doing a european tour that's you know picking up transfers like in prague or whatever yeah <laughs> and it's so it's so different from what you grew up on and we're a little bit younger than you it's so different from what we grew up on that it does reach a point that it starts to feel like some of this stuff is unrecognizable and i guess my question to you is what is an opposing force to that? What is something that could flip things in the other direction um, that, that you see that maybe gives you some hope for what, you know, the, the things could become in the future? Yeah. Well, I think that, again, this is something that is driven by outside forces. You know, you, you spoke earlier about Andy Fee leaving for a new position at Washington and what he's going to be doing so that the other person, so to speak, is going to do something completely unrelated to running the day-to-day -day operation. I will say that Sierra Canyon did not originate this idea. Right. Someone came to them and said, let's do this and let's do it on TV with ESPN and let's do this. So a school has a, has a, has a decision to make and, and a philosophical direction to go in. And so, uh, you know, as I said, I, I don't think a lot of this is organic. I don't think it comes from the school. I think schools that are building these programs and 
have, you know, embraced a philosophy where they want it known that, you know, if you're, <coughs> excuse me, if you're a, an NBA, former NBA player, and, you know, we'll, we'll be the school that can take care of your son because there's certain challenges and daughter. I mean, they have uh, ex-NBA yeah. daughters there as well. So, you know, they, they are embracing the philosophy that, look, you're, you're people that have special, you know, uh, issues involved with having your son or daughter attend a high school and, and we'll security a, issues and some things like yeah, that we'll, as well for sure yeah, yeah. we'll set up a comfortable environment for you and of course once right. that starts you know if you want to take a football example and you say maybe it's not the same thing in football but you'll say well if the goal is to go to college and the goal is to to continue your your career beyond high school then you know here are these schools that are in the limelight you need to go there you need to be exposed you need to get on tv you need to be with them because so many college coaches pay attention to them, you know, right. so that feed, that feeds that narrative. And again, is a school embracing that philosophy and saying, yeah, we want to be that school. We want to be that school that, that provides that opportunity. Um, and, and I think, again, as I said earlier, it's the outside forces that I think are behind it. And then it comes down to individual schools and coaches and administrations and, and how they wish to deal with it. But then, you know, where I, I think we all, at least in our office and, and those of us involved in this work, do get somewhat frustrated is, you know, then then the story of Orange High School winning their first football championship since 1929 and taking their buses to the central, you know, square circle there in, in uh, Orange where the uh, all the antique stores are and jumping in the fountain and splashing around after they won the game. It's like, you know, that's where we are too. And, uh, and so, but sometimes, again, because of some of the national attention or other things involved with the outside forces, you know, some of these stories don't get get the to be at the forefront. So, you know, it is it is uh, it is not something that I think really suits the high school environment very well. But I, I think we're all realistic enough to know that there's going to be an element of that involved. There's going to be, uh, unfortunately, the NCAA provides no example of anything except a continuance of this kind of activity. Yeah, and what's happening there is an abdication of leadership. Yeah, of course, and it's going to trickle yeah. down, and um, so we're seeing some of that. You know, even in, in the high school level now, we're hearing about students that are getting opportunities uh, through different things as high school seniors or juniors, and that's just something more recent. Yeah. Uh, but again, I, I come back to the same point: it's the outside forces that have come in to try to change the the high school sports experience, and in some cases, you know, you're seeing that. Uh, I still want to come back to 400,000 student athletes and and the numbers that are involved in in what I consider to be the the the, the essence of high school and education based athletics. I still think there's a lot of that, and I think a lot more of that. Um, yeah. but, but the smaller group involved in some of this certainly does garner a lot of attention uh, because of the some of the national implications and things like that. Yeah. Well, and that that's just a quick follow up for me. You know, I, I think. Um, it's worth noting that a lot of this stuff is really fun, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I go to, and I don't mean to single out Sierra Canyon basketball, but like you go to those games are fun. I mean, they play really high level basketball. I remember um, I, probably the most fun I've had at a non Long Beach Southern section event was that Chino Hills basketball team with the Ball Brothers, right? Now, look, that that's in some ways that's very different from what we're talking about. That's the kids' local public high school. Um, you know, there's brothers playing together. They did get some transfers in, but it wasn't like they were getting 20 transfers a year in. Um, well, but I'll tell you, we declared two students ineligible for a year at Chino Hills because they'd been coached by Mr. Ball in the AAU circuit. And so he was certainly looking to try to, to bring in, uh, you know, a few other players to enhance the, for sure. the three brothers. And so, well, yeah, I mean, 
you know, if, if it's not being done under the rules, then I, I would yeah. like to believe we fulfill our function um, to do that. So but what, uh, but what I was going to say, you know, so that, so that was, that, that was really fun. Right. I mean, I'm in the pyramid yes. when you guys open the yeah. doors and it's, you know, th yeah. there's a, there's an energy around it. And I think that you hit on something like, so it's not going to change. Like you said, you're going to have, especially in basketball, I think you're going to have 15, 16 year old kids who have 2 million followers on Instagram um, and that's money. Those followers equate to money and, and, you know, individually for a program, whatever. I guess my question is how much have you seen that change from a media perspective? Cause you know, you mentioned the orange high school thing. I'm sure the OC register covered that, right? Like the local media is kind of still, we talk about this as an organization all the time. We still cover stuff roughly the way the press telegram did like 80 years ago here, are the high schools that we cover, if a kid from Long Beach goes to a high school out of the city, they kind of don't exist to us anymore. Um, we don't really cover club stuff, AAU stuff. But I think what's changed is there are these national media organizations with big money behind them yeah. who follow these teams around and they just exist to put up these clips and stuff like that. And, you know, I know sometimes those people weren't even credentialed by you guys, but they're just on the sideline because a coach has handed them a pass or whatever. How much do you think that the media landscape has kind of shifted and, and maybe is driving some of those incentives that maybe aren't what, you know, some of us romantics prefer about you sports? Oh, there's no question about that, Mike. I think that's the, that's part of it. You know, there, there has been a business developed around high school sports, as I said before, that wasn't necessarily there. I mean, and that does, that relates to media and obviously needing clicks on websites and needing views on videos that they post and all this, the, the, the work that is done in that way. Um, and I take it also to include, you know, things like uh, when, you know, photo shoots and, and, and all these things are going on, you know, look at how many of the leagues now are doing media days and, and, you know, and, and fine. I mean, you know, you all know the challenges of, of being a media organization, a true, as we like to always refer to them as the working press, um, the working press, <laughs> the challenges yeah. the working press face with limited resources and cutbacks and, and expanding coverage area and expanding stories, potential area, you know, what you're all facing is, is different than what is happening on these national levels where, you know, it, it every day, here's the ranking of the top 25. Here's right. the national TV schedule. Here's the top 300 kids ranked in, in the country in, in, in football. And, Oh, there's been a change now at number one, we've elevated a local, you know, young man right, to number right, right. of Arch Manning and that becomes news that goes national. So, there's a, you're right, a, a whole industry, the private coaches, the personal training, the club travel environments, you know, all of those things have created a business around high school sports. If you wanted to be a, a high school coach, you know, back in the day, you were a teacher, you right. uh, had to get your degree, you had to get your credential and go to work. Um, nowadays, as we know, there's a tremendous amount of folks involved in coaching high school that uh, in the, during the season and then off seasons that make a living at it as a business. And so, you know, those are some of the things, again, that have an effect on high school sports and have an effect on the mission of high school sports. Because as I keep saying, if there's 85 scholarships in division one football, and it's probably been that way for 30 years. Right. But how many people believe they're going to get one of those 85 as there used to be 10 years ago, 20 years, if, if there was 170 available, I get it. The growth of the number of scholarships, but look at the growth in the number of businesses and activities and things being done, you know, to try to get one of those 85 D one scholarships at a college football program. Um, the number of people who believe they have a chance and are willing to pay 
all kinds of money or transfer schools or um, participate in all kinds of different things uh, in pursuit of one of those 85. And it, it just, it's not commensurate at all. It's not, it's not equal at all to the number of, you know, baseball has 11.7 scholarships. Right. It's had 11.7 for how long in division one, but right. yet, you know, who, how many travel organizations and showcases and private hitting coaches and pitching coaches and speed coaches and agility coaches and everything that happens out there and, and people that pay money to go to showcases and pay money to go to do all these things. So that I, I was going to say, and it all costs money that you could be investing yeah. in like a six to yeah, 8% percent return in a college account in a 529. I'm just saying as a father. Of course you could. <laughs> and, and then you know, the other part of this, the other part of this, and I, I um, you know, the college coaches that are there being paid to be there. You know, they're, they're not yeah. coming because you have this list of great kids for them to watch. They're coming because you're paying them to come. And that's their job. I mean, you mean to tell me if I'm a full-time college coach, I'm not doing everything I can do to get out and see the best players or potential players for my school. You know, it almost takes this, this uh, ignorant approach that, oh, the coaches have no idea what's going on out there. They have no idea who to recruit. So come to the showcase, pay your money. They're going to show up and they'll recruit you. I mean, come on, you know? Right. I'm sorry. And I know I'm rambling on here, but th there's a guy and this, I think you'll appreciate this. There's a guy who just recently passed away. His name's Jack Renkins. Jack used to do a business called college recruiting realities. And the first thing that people thought he did was he sent the videos to all the colleges and tried to get your yes. kid recruited. No, no. He spent his entire, he wrote books. Here's the rules of college recruiting. And I'll teach you parents what the rules are. And he used to say, I, I go any, any community. He said, and I'll just use an example. He said, I go I go to, to Colton and I get Colton Courier and I pick up the paper and it says, yeah, last night, Johnny had 20 points and 10 rebounds in Colton one, but Stevie who had 14 points and seven rebounds name wasn't in the paper. So what happens? Stevie's mother calls the Colton Courier and says, how come my kid's not in the paper? He's not going to get recruited because he's not in the paper. And so Jack says, okay, parent, you think Mike Krzyzewski when he was coaching at Duke had 65 daily newspapers in front of him? And, and he went through, oh, I got to look, who's in the Colton Courier today? I got to find out who's any good. <laughs> and, but right, it's comical. But they do think that, yeah. Of course they do. And, and, you, and right. that's why I said, I, I, I thank you for indulging me. But yeah. I know you guys get that call. Yeah. And you get that, you get that from parents who say, you know, you haven't done enough to cover my kid and they're not going to get recruited because of that. And I'm like, you really think the college coaches are recruiting out of what's printed in the newspapers. Right. I mean, it's just, it's laughable. And so again, I, I just think, you know, people who take the time to, to really look at the situation would, would do the same thing you guys did and go, really? That's how college recruiting is done. It, right, right, right. And so yeah, yeah. just. Uh, well, nowadays a lot less local uh, high school sports available for those college coaches to find in the newspapers. But anyways, go ahead, Tyler. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I don't think there are I don't think there are 65 daily newspapers anymore, but uh, you know, it's okay. There's nonprofit news though. Subscribe to 562.org. so I want I did want to ask you know, this week we're all about uh, high school football. We've been working on our high school football previews. Those will be out uh, very soon. So it's top of mind. And I wanted to ask about, I'm really excited that there's going to be a championship game at the Rose bowl this year. I know we're going to ask about playoffs and, and the structure and, and all the divisions and all that. We'll get to that. But I wanted to start there because I'm really excited about having a game at the Rose bowl. It's very old school and the California football hall of fame being there. Um, so tell us a little bit about that and what you're looking forward to having a game at, at the Rose bowl, which is just such a beautiful and iconic venue. I love it. 
It is, and it's truly going to be a, a great and special opportunity. And and you're right, we're we're excited about the California High School Football Hall of Fame. We were invited to participate in that process, and uh, very soon now, actually, uh, I think by next week, the inaugural class is going to be announced. 100 players, 13 coaches. Uh, it, it is staggering when you look at the list of names. You, you're you're going to be just blown away. We got so, some Long Beach guys on there, Rob. No, we better. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> well, you know when you were part of our hundredth anniversary celebration, how many uh, how many Long Beach area athletes ended up on our list of hundred? That was fun. Um, it was, and so this is you know similar, but obviously now it's statewide. So there's going to be a whole lot of others from other areas of the state. But you know, having the hundredth anniversary. They're building an absolutely beautiful space on the Rose Bowl site uh, in the venue for this Hall of Fame to be housed, uh, supposed to be ready in November. Uh, we just thought, you know, what a great way to be part of, uh, of a celebration of high school football to bring our championship game to the Rose Bowl. So uh, it really does figure to be a, a great, great event. And uh, in conjunction with the 100th anniversary Rose Bowl celebration, the unveiling of the high school football hall of fame and our game there i just feel like you know what a year to celebrate high school football yeah consider this an informal credential request i was not we'll email uh, tom don't worry <laughs> it's, it's, it, you know, we're hoping that that uh, really the, i think we all know sometimes the the casual high school fan of sports is is not as prominent as they used to be um games would be played it didn't matter who played in them right and everyone uh, we haven't had much of that, I think, over I don't know how many years. Some people say it's too many divisions. Some people just say, you know, getting around in Southern California is not always an easy thing to do. So uh, we don't necessarily see always the the whole general fan that comes out. Right. And um, and so we hope this is an event where maybe we do kind of recapture some of just the general high school football fans who want to come out and say, hey, you know, it'd be fun to just come to the Rose Bowl and have a great seat and watch two pretty high powered teams go at it. And uh, just be part of something kind of special. Had been in there since I believe 1944 is the last time that there was a high school game played in a championship game played there. Oh. So yeah, I really it's it's something to really be excited about. Tyler, keep going on the football playoffs thing. I think that's what everybody wants to hear right now. I mean, I, I, like obviously. Hey, uh, listen, we love the competitive equity format in Long Beach. You it's know what, what I mean? We get to hear. Yeah. <laughs> I, we, I said, you know, I, I wanted to say, you know what I did? And I, you guys didn't go. And I wish you, you know, I know you don't can always, you're always covering. But I was back at Century Club in May, last May. Yeah. And I sat down before I went to Century Club because they always want to ask about competitive playoffs and stuff because they've been on the journey with me. I mean, we I was talking to them about it years ago. And I wrote down just since 2020, 21 and 22, I wrote down the number of Long Beach area high schools, boys and girls across the sports who had participated in the championship finals or yeah. had been champions. And it was staggering. I think I had something like 21 or 22 examples of, and it was football, it was softball, it was baseball, it was- We've been very busy and we appreciate yeah. it. Right, and I said, the five, six, <laughs> you guys should be thanking me because we the did. five, six, <laughs> I know, the five, six, two guys have never had more stuff to keep them going and cover, which is a huge challenge I get, but potentially getting more and more people clicking and paying attention and hopefully contributing uh, because they love the coverage. So uh, I think it was, guys. I mean, I wish I'd have saved it. I should have saved it. I wrote it all down. <clears throat> but, I mean, it was soccer. It was, it was water polo. It was tennis. It was, you know, Millican tennis, poly tennis, poly water polo. 
you know, Millican baseball. Uh, I mean, it was just on. And the f- football was a banner year last year with mm-hmm. four teams in the Long Beach area of the finals. I mean, it was just, you know, it, it was fabulous. And so uh, that was only since like, two, you know, I, it started with the Wilson girls who won it in 20 in yeah. girls basketball. I think I started it with them. And then, you know, we did have the shutdown and everything afterward. But I think just using 20, 21 and 22, we came up with like 22, 23 different examples of Long Beach area yep. high schools across the sports, boys, girls. And I thought, you know, the 562 guys, uh, you know, this this was a big benefit to them. No, we we're do big, appreciate we're, it. We're, we're, we're big backers <laughs> of the model, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember seeing you at, uh, at Moore Park for CIF track finals. And I think before you said hello, you were like, how great is competitive? <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, Rob, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, I, I believe in being I be I believe in being transparent and open. So well, and and you know it's interesting because I know that not all of um, you know I see I see like uh, like Freddie Robledo and I, there's a couple other um, you know there's a there's a couple other media guys who aren't super fond of it. It's obviously worked out great for our area, um, but uh, I just you know to me it's we've been a huge beneficiary of it. We're absolutely enormous fans of it, and uh, yeah, you, you you put our names uh, all over any endorsement uh, you need. I covered in a two week span a Jordan football CIF championship and a Polly Waters CIF uh, yes, championship for the first time in history. For the, but I was yeah, it was like th- those were not on the to do list uh, yes. in the pre competitive equity uh, days. In the Polly you know? girls tennis. In the right. Polly girls tennis. But I, I will tell you this, and I would be lying if I didn't say this, and I think you've heard me before. My experience coming through the Moore League in Long Beach area had a big impact on me in, in that vision because I knew what it was like to be in a division with school that belonged there, and the rest of us had to be there too because it was done by league. And I would have died as a football coach at Lakewood High School to have had the opportunity to play at a different division and see if we could have won some playoff games and help build our program with some playoff success. But we never got that chance. And I always thought to myself, there has to be a way that we can address the best team in, in the league that, you know, has proven they're the best and belongs in the division, let them play there. And then what about the others? And I think, again, that was something that I thought could be done differently and could be done better. So, you know, it, it came from personal experience. It came from, you know, working as hard as anybody could try to work to be successful, getting into the playoffs, knowing you were going to lose by 40 points. Right. And, and never would that change. Um, and so, you know, and, and you've seen that. I mean, I remember, I think the very first year, you know, I think Lakewood got to the semifinals in the division they were in, um, you know, and, and we've seen what Jordan has done for the first time in history. And Compton did last year too. And, you know, uh, and St. Anthony, who had had some success before, but was able to carry it through. And obviously, Polly and winning their title. And, and so, yeah, I mean, it just, you know, it, it was gratifying to see. I mean, I was very excited for programs like Jordan and programs like Compton, uh, who had not enjoyed that kind of success. I went to the Compton Championship game that night. It was a great, great outpouring of the Compton community and people I had known from back in my Moore League days that, that I got to see and embrace and say, isn't this just spectacular to be here tonight and celebrate the opportunity to win a championship here in Compton at Compton college, you know? And so, you know, there, there's some really great memories that I, that I have and will take with me. But I, as I said to you, you know, I would be lying if I didn't say that my own personal experience as a player and coach in the Moore league long beach area 
didn't have an impact on how I could maybe try to make a difference for a lot of the schools that were in our position um, when I was coaching myself. Well, it's so true. And, and it really it did work, you know, because, you know, we were at the Century Club meeting last night and all the football coaches uh, from Long Beach were there. And just the tone that they're speaking with where they can say, hey, we've got, you know, uh, you know, Scott Myers talking about, hey, we just need to make the playoffs and then we've got a shot. Got Whereas action. before yeah. they knew going in, they're like, we're, <laughs> you know, we're going to be in, yeah. you know, we, we want to make the playoffs, but we know we're going to probably have to go to a Trinity League school and lose by 40 and awesome and it, here, guys, you know? Yeah. So yeah, the, I, the excitement from the coaches is so much higher going into the year because they know they have that carrot at the end of the season that they can still play for. You hope so. And, and, you know, Scott has a great perspective on that. He had tremendous success at Corona Del Mar in the old system. And, and uh, he's been a couple other places and maybe more than that since, but I read what he said and I love what he said, you know, Hey, they had a rough year last year. He came in late. They had, you know, transfers out. They had all kinds of overcoming, you know, a young team and a new system and all the rest, but he's, he's kind of right. I mean, the focus is if we can get in uh, we'll give it a run and we'll have a shot. And, and it's nice to be able to, to tell a team that, you know, has struggled and is trying to move forward, you know, that there is an incentive for them. Cause even for us, I mean, I remember, you know, we, I think in all the years that I coached Lakewood, our first round opponents were Bishop Amat two or three times, Loyola a couple times. Uh, we played Eisenhower back when they were in their heyday. Um, you know, we, we played every time in the first round, somebody that was, and you know, our kids, you, you can't, you know, you can't lie to them. They're watching the film. And, and we're trying to be optimistic and upbeat. We're excited we're in the playoffs. We're going to have to go on the road because we were on the road every single time. Um, yeah. And it just, you know, it, it was a deflating experience because because we worked hard. You know, we worked dang hard. We put in all our summer stuff and spring stuff and fall stuff. And, we, you know, we did a lot of work to try to be as good as we could. And, and, and to us, the measure of success was always to get in the playoffs, you know, try to make it. We, we were going to really struggle to, to beat Polly. We played him tough. We would lose sometimes closer than non, but they were going to win the title and we were going to hope for second or third, hope for a second round home or second place home game. We were never, now that I work at CIF, you know, sometimes that's harder when you're not one of the higher ranked teams. Um, so yeah, it just, it was a, it was a deflating experience because um, you know, you really wanted to, to, to see what you could do if you had a shot at something fair. And I, and I really felt it would have helped build the program, you know, it would have helped more and more people if we could get some playoff success now, and it was funny because then my other experience was in baseball, where for 14 years as a baseball coach at Lakewood High School, it's completely different. Mm-hmm. You know, we expected to win. We expected to win the league. We expected to compete deep in the playoffs, and we did. So, you know, in that respect, we were the poly, so to speak, of baseball, uh, one of them. And, and so I could experience what poly would experience in football. But uh, anyway, so, you know, it was interesting. I, I know I'm really segueing here and going off, but what, what was you wrote the other day about the Long Beach baseball group. Yeah. And, and not seeing the success maybe in the last 10 years or so uh, where they're getting to the finals and getting a chance to compete and maybe looking at the future and saying, hey, there are some bright, some bright spots maybe going forward. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I was just curious to just out of, you know, I, yeah, the private school and the growth of private school stuff. But I'm trying to think about Long Beach kids that have gone on and been part of some of these private schools and their success. I, I don't know. I mean, have you in, guys. In, are, you, uh, in, are you talking about in baseball? Yeah. Like I, you guys can track it closer than I do, but. Yeah, I, just, uh, uh, it, I you know, I mentioned private schools. I mean, certainly Bosco at the moment is pulling uh, some East Long Beach kids um, yeah. for sure. Um, yeah. And uh, hasn't made the playoffs in how many years? 
yeah, yeah, but you know, but that's uh, but 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 they they definitely took a bite. Uh, the Huntington yeah. Beach group took a good crop of Millican kids for oh, uh, for five yeah. years or so there for sure, um, yeah. and, and including a couple of transfers, a couple of high profile transfers. But they they had, uh, you okay. know, just as an example, and I, I'm not, you know, we don't single out kids in particular, or whatever. But at one point, Millican had two freshmen who were both like USA Baseball U15 kids. Okay. And one of them transferred to Bosco, one of them transferred to Huntington Beach, right? Okay. And you know, back in the day, in 1996, you were not transferring out of Dan Peters' team, no. <laughs> you know, right. if you were a superstar freshman. And so, right. so I think, but in Long Beach, you know, Rob, because you're around Long Beach people all the time and you're a Long Beach guy, everyone thinks it should be 1997 or 1958, right? Everyone thinks it should be the era they were in. And so yeah. whenever people come to us and go, how does the Moore League, with all the great talent in Long Beach, not win a baseball playoff game? Our answer is always what I tried to articulate in the column, which is there's seven answers to that question. Everyone wants to point at one thing, but one of the answers to the question is one city, even one with the incredible history of Long Beach, is not going to continue to produce 10 major leaguers a decade and half of the United States Olympic water polo team. Like it's yeah. just, it can't, it, there's always an ebb and flow. Other areas yeah. catch up in development. Um, and, you know, I think maybe you'd agree, maybe you disagree, but I think Long Beach took youth baseball a lot more seriously for a long time than a lot of the rest of Southern California did, you know, oh, yeah. and you saw that with the, the Little League World Series championships. Yeah. And so I think that the, the rest of the area kind of caught up to an extent. I think that's part of it. Some ebb and flow is part of it. Um, but you know, but it is exciting again to see what I think you and I both grew up with of you just open the paper and every day it's like, oh, this team from this park won a championship against yeah. some other city. This team from this park, like that's what that's what excites us. And I just kind of like highlighting that stuff when we can that it's like, hey, you know, if there's an ebb and a flow, that means maybe we're in an ebb, but that means maybe there's gonna be a flow. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I hear you. I hear you. And, and I, I like what you wrote. And I was just curious myself because I, um, you know, it, it was also and too, you know, back then it was a little bit of a different system where the Moore League was on top of it. You know, like the Moore League teams that would make it would be one of the stronger leagues. So they would beat up on some of the leagues that had schools in there that didn't belong. You know, I mean, you know, people would say, I mean, I know in the football days back then, it was like, we, we just want to play the Moore League second or third. I mean, every, right. everybody in the first round of the D1 playoffs. And so there was probably some of that you know, where there were other leagues in division one with the more league that were not as strong and had teams that weren't as strong. And so the more league teams yeah. would have some success, you know, beating up on some of them, but now hopefully, you know, I mean, Milliken's deal a couple of years ago and this last year was fun to follow. I mean, all the teams had somebody out there on the, on the mound every yes. game that was, you know, legit, a legit guy. And this, so those games were really well played and, and close and kind of the way you love high school baseball. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I like what you wrote and I, and I, like what you thought about as the future is uh, is upon us and we'll hopefully see some of that play out. Yeah. Well, and I, I wanted to, to, to circle back to those football playoffs because, you know, one of the things that we got a lot during that, that run is how is Polly in D4? You know, there's a lot of criticism over that. And I think, look, let's start by saying there's never going to be a perfect system all the time. There's always going to be things that need to be adjusted, fall through the cracks. It's naive to assume that we're ever just going to nail it all the time. Um, so I, I think that was kind of a, a fair observation from people based on the results, yeah. but I think based on the data going in, that's where the chips fell and it was a well thought out system that you guys had, but there maybe were some inefficiencies in the, in those rankings perhaps. 
uh, what are some of the changes that you guys have looked at or what can people expect that might be different this year going off the, the ranking system than year two? Well, you never can really know what's going to happen until it actually plays out. And so last year being the first year, you know, theories and, and what we thought would, would happen, you know, you had to see it all actually go into practice. So, yeah, I mean, you can make a case after it was all said and done that, you know, Polly was was maybe, you know, in the wrong spot. Um, but then you don't want to take away from their accomplishments and their achievements because, you know, right. they obviously they obviously celebrated a championship and, and, and worked hard to get it. And, um, but, you know, they were the number one in division four and they were one spot away from being number 16 in division three. Right. Um, right. So, you know, that's where the system will always be uh, interesting every year because those are the biggest decisions, you know, the ones at the top and the ones at the bottom are no, not usually that those are usually pretty easily defined. It's those cutoffs, you know, Milliken was a 16 in their in their, uh, in their bracket. They, they were right there at the end of the game to, to beat number one. Um, and so, you know, Milliken ends up as a 16 playing a one. We we would very, very rarely see a number one seed go in the first round in the old system. I believe we had three number ones get beat in the first round yeah. this last year. People were like, oh, Milliken my gosh. Almost, Milliken was almost Milliken a four. Made it four. Yeah, yeah. Was, oh, my gosh, you're seeding. I'm like, folks, this is what you want. You want mm-hmm. to be able to say 16's got a shot to beat number one, where in the past they didn't, and it, and it proved itself. So – I think, you know, we, I don't think we can do this more accurately than we're doing. I mean, you have to take the current regular season and every game played, strength of schedule and the results, and put that into those power rankings. Our coaches trust Cal Preps. They believe Cal Preps is the best ones to do it. They believe their formulas are the ones that are the most accurate. And so uh, the thing about it is each year you're going to see a lot of movement. You know, where is Polly going to end up this year? Uh, you know, because this is a different year completely. And what they do on the field is going to determine where they end up this year. Uh, same thing for Milliken, same thing for the rest of the schools that you guys cover. So, um, you know, I think it's, it's still kind of in that infancy stage. These are blue book rules. I mean, what we're doing has been approved by, you know, a far majority of our schools. I think it was 74 to 10 was the vote by our leagues to do this. So I think, uh, you know, we, we're following the rules as they are existing. And then after year one, yeah, we saw some things maybe that, that might've been, uh, a little bit weird to see or, or whatever. Um, but, you know, for this coming year, I think you're going to see it again in terms of following everything the same. I don't think we're doing anything, changing any rules. The thing that'll be different was just to see where some of these teams end up because, uh, you know, in the past you could almost, Hey, well, they're going to be somewhere in this neighborhood. I, I don't know. If that's the case. I mean, because again, it's going to be on this coming year and, uh, and who they play and, and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, I, I'm excited to see it. I think that's the one thing about this. It's going to be kind of exciting every year now just to really get a sense of where this ends up. And then hopefully we have kind of competition and the close games and the excitement that we had, uh, you know, throughout the playoff run. We have it too. I mean, we kind of tracked it every week. You know, we would talk about, okay, how did the, how did they move? You know, who's, who's the big risers, who's the fallers. And, you know, you know, obviously we want, we want to see the Morley collectively kind of rise and improve. And I think that was the thing that kind of threw everything off was the more league teams rating so lowly in, in Cal preps. And then that ended up bringing Polly down, you know, a couple, a division or two, and then yeah. they were in lower yeah. divisions, you know, like the, the Comptons and, and, and Jordan, and they were able to make what a people run. don't yeah. realize is that if Polly had played Cabrillo as scheduled instead of Aquinas, they might've been in division five. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, and, they were, and you're right. No, there were some key games, you know, yeah. like there was a game Sierra Canyon didn't play. That I right. think would have an effect on their on their situation, but you know um, what what I think ended up playing out, which you want it to happen in the section, you know. But I mean, 
Sarah won the D3 title. And they played Polly in the preseason, very close. And they ended up playing Polly in the first round of the regionals for state. And Sarah happened to, to beat them. But, you know, close games, very competitive games. Um, you know, it kind of proved that Polly was probably much, you know, more competitive in Division Three. Um, and again, they were one step from there. Uh, or as Mike said, if they played another game, they might have dropped even further. Um, but, you know, Oaks Christian was down in Division Five, And Oaks Christian got in the finals and got beat by Valencia. You know, so... Uh, you know, as I said, people, oh, my God, Oaks Christian's in Division Five. Okay. Well, they won some games. They were close. And then they got in the finals and they got beat. So were they in the right division? Probably. They didn't win it. And I could always say, well, just because you didn't win it didn't mean you were in the wrong division. Right. Uh, I, I'd make the case that Milliken was in the right division. Um, they, they didn't beat the number one team, but they were right there with them. And if they'd beaten them, who's to say they couldn't have beat anybody else? Right. So Yeah, um, it's, one, it's interesting because it's like no one wants chalk. Chalk is the most boring thing. But then if you're saying the only way to prove that it was the right bracket is if all the favorites win, then it's a, it's a game you can't win. So basically you, you have a formula that makes sense. You put it out there, you let the experiment kind of run. And then ultimately you have to beat the team across from you and you're not putting teams in a position where they're going to get blown out and they have no chance. I think yes. is kind of I have no idea where these schools are going to end up in what division they're going to end up. And I don't think the coaches do either. Um, so that's the, that'll be the interesting piece. You know, people want to predict, Hey, we're going to see this or this. And the great thing is it's going to all play out. And then when it's done, it's going to happen. And, um, but it's a lot, I think it's, it's been some great conversations, you know, because um, it, it really, as I said, I don't think it could be done more accurately. And so we're excited to see what year two does. Well, with that in mind, obviously we've seen the shift in everything when it comes to college football. And I think a big reason why we've seen that shift is because teams and programs don't want to be limited to their conference. Half of their schedule ends up being a conference. And if that conference doesn't match where they want to be as a program, they're going to move. So with that in mind, going forward with this playoff uh, program that I think we all agree is going in the right direction, how far are we away from telling Polly? They don't have to play in the more league or not limiting these teams to their league schedules, because at a point you really can only improve up until the quality of your league and where your league is ranked. You know, Polly could go play the Trinity league in their preseason, but that wouldn't be smart. But is that the only way that Polly would break into division one, considering that the rest of the league is not division one quality? Yeah, that's, that's a, a good, good question to ask. The thing about releaguing is it's done in all sports. So, you know, the, the decisions made about leagues and they have a lot to do with geography, obviously. And, and in some cases, school districts wanting to have schools together. So there's a lot of factors that are involved in the forming leagues. The answer to that might just be, you know, some kind of way. And, and this is, you know, discussions that can be, can be had. It, it, no one said there'd be math on this uh, interview, but um, talking a little bit about formulas, you know, and how maybe you would, you could de-emphasize league play and make sure that you're emphasizing, um, you know, non-league play or, or top teams that you play and so forth. But but your point is is absolutely true. There's a number of games that are on your schedule that you don't have control over. And so regardless of what that formula does, it's still, you know, you could be impacted with uh, a lower ranking due to the teams that you have to play, not necessarily teams that you would have chosen to play, but you have to play. So that that could be definitely something that's, that's a, a factor to consider down the road. But, you know, if you, and again, if we're just talking Polly's example, you know, in the preseason, I mean, they got they got beat by I think a Division One. I want to say it was Centennial, right? Didn't they play yes, Centennial? Yes, they got beat pretty badly, quite badly and by lost, Corona Centennial. Yeah, and, and then they, they lost a close one to Mission. Yeah, and then I think and they lost to Sarah. Yeah, 
And I, and I think the team they beat in the preseason was Losinger. Correct. Who was not necessarily, I mean, a, yeah. a decent team, not, you know, not at the level of the Centennials and the missions. So, you know, and then you're right. Then the rest of their schedule, six more games or more than half is now against schools that aren't going to increase their profile very much. So, you know, that's why they probably ended up where they ended up because, you know, the, the results, if they had done a little bit better, maybe against a couple of the higher ranked teams, they certainly would have been higher. But yeah. um, there wasn't really a way for them once league play started to do a whole lot to, to, raise, to raise their profile. It, it was going to end up having to, to go down from there. And yeah. again, they still, ended up, they still ended up one spot. You know, it could have been a completely different world for them if they were one spot up, you know, yeah. if they ended up in D3. But, hey, you know, it, it is what it is. And I said, I don't want to diminish the effort. I don't want to diminish the results. I don't want to diminish the celebration that and, – and I learned that actually from, from John Barnes – way back when I started Los Alamitos, we were walking through yes. the gym and there were- I've heard this quote, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, says, it says division three or four or two, it's a Southern section championship. And I think Polly certainly, at least what I've read and heard and seen how it goes, I think they embrace that that concept as well. For sure. Um, all right, last question for me, Rob. Uh, you're, you're, as you said, you got another year, but it is the last year. So uh, I think this this may be our last one of these preseason interviews with you. Um, you, you got anything you want to get off your chest? You have any grudges? Maybe not us, but other people. There's no chance for a rebuttal. Is there? Is there anything that uh, that, that you would like to uh, you know set straight for the record or uh, get a last word on uh, with us or any other media members or any other things that have happened over the last eleven years? I just I feel so grateful for the opportunity that I've had, and, and for a guy who sat in the classrooms at Long Beach Wilson High School who was an average, I'll give myself a compliment. I may not have even been an average high school athlete, but you know, for me to, to come from there and, and to end up to, to where I was able to, to have the opportunity to, to lead this organization. I mean, I still have no reasons that I, that I see on a negative way of why I'm, I'm retiring. I, I just don't, I don't have the grudges. I don't have uh, the bitterness. I don't have the burnout. I, I really don't, I, I could continue to do this. I do know it's the right time. And I, I know that I, I believe in what this is and I, I believed in it for my entire life basically. And so, uh, you know, with that in mind, I, I step away with just a, a, an appreciation for this opportunity that I never would have imagined would have happened. I never had on the, on the master plan and yet somehow it all ended up, you know, coming to fruition. And you guys know, I'm incredibly proud of being from Long Beach. I'm incredibly proud of the effect that, going to school in Long Beach and the teachers and coaches and experiences I had in Long Beach, how they shaped me and molded me uh, to go forward and hopefully try to make an impact on a, on a larger scale. You know, they, I just can't say enough about that. I, I think I was very fortunate to have come across some of the people that were able to influence me you know, going through it. So um, honestly, I, I think I've always tried my best to focus on what this is really about. It's about helping young people and teaching them life lessons. And while there are issues and there are things that chip away at us and, and make it difficult. I, I just have always tried to keep the focus there. If you keep your focus on the students and student athletes, I think you're always gonna come out on top and none more so than the pandemic. And I talked about that constantly, you know, that everyone kept the focus on the students and student athletes. The athletic directors, they did all that work, coaches and all that work through the protocols and the schedule changes and the, all the disruptions and everything they had to go through. But they kept the student athletes first. And in doing that, you know, we were able to, to triumph over it and, and make it, make it come back. So, you know, really, I, I appreciated the opportunity and I, 
I, I, I just don't have that in my heart. I have. All right. Okay. Okay. I, I, let me ask a different, a different end of the line question. What's your dream first post-retirement concert? You, you get, you get to pick, pick, pick any group, any lineup. What, 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 what's the first show the day after that? Uh... I've seen, I've seen a lot of concerts. I, I've really been fortunate. I've seen a lot of people that I'd like to see. Um, wow. Um, and it's gotta be the right vibe, right? It's a different vibe when you're like, Hey, I'm sleeping well, in tomorrow. Different, like different. I'm trying to think of who I haven't seen and who I would want to see. Um, and you know, so many of mine, I mean, like I saw the Rolling Stones last, I would have put them down, but I got a chance to see them last fall. Well, it doesn't um, have to be someone you've never seen before. I'm just saying like, what's the right vibe um, to send you off into retirement? You know what I mean? What's the, what's the, what's the dream line up there? Well, my favorite place to go is the Orange County Fair and the Pacific Amphitheater. I love, that is my favorite thing to do every summer is to go to concerts at the amphitheater. Um, I saw Cool in the Gang and- yes. I saw them like July 15th. I, I'd never seen them. They were fabulous. Um, but like that's, that's so, I mean, I've seen like, uh, gosh, I, I mean, I've seen a lot of good ones there that I've really enjoyed. Cause that's kind of like my favorite thing to do. Love yeah, so, the fair. Love the fair. Well, well that's, it's a date then next I summer. You won't, yes. you won't be working. We're going to catch no. you at the fair. We'll go see, yeah. the, we'll go see earth, wind and fire. Whoever ends up I've seen them there. And I love, I love seeing them. They were fantastic. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I was trying to think we saw Boston there. We saw sticks there. Uh, one of my favorites has been Michael McDonald over the years. I love the Doobie brothers. I had never seen the Doobie brothers and saw them last October. Uh, on their 50th anniversary tour. That might have been one of my highlights. And I've always liked him. So I've seen him a bunch of times on his own. Um, yeah, so those would be some of the examples. Um, I like it. It's I, saw him, I saw him at Shaka Khan at the amphitheater. It was- <laughs> No, that's a show. Oh, he was fabulous. He was great. Uh, and then it's funny, Tom, Tom has just chimed in. We have a, a kind of a local group called Yachty by Nature. <laughs> they do what's called yacht, they do what's called yacht rock i love me some yacht rock oh, yeah, yeah, you guys, yeah, yeah. They, they, they played at the gas lamp a few times no, they play no. at sea they play at sea legs they play all over the place you should get on their website yachty by nature reiner wolf in our office and i um we have seen them several times our wives love them our girls my girls love them um yachty by nature they do all that 80s stuff and and what they call yacht rock they all dress in in like cruise ship um outfits uh, the leader of the group is captain carl it's it's I uh like it. you know, their, their lead singer is scotty mcyachty i mean they're just they're a lot of fun as, they play, they play as long as they're scotty mixing in as long as they're mixing in some christopher cross i'll be there of course. all right their, their first song right. is always ride like the wind there we They'd go start with ride like the wind it's the yacht rock staple that's what we need so uh yeah it's so it's good <laughs> I mean, when I saw a guy walking by at one of their concerts wearing a Pablo Cruz shirt, I mean, like, I mean, come on now. You know, it was it was pretty good. So Yachty by nature. He, Thomas is right. Uh, they're a lot of fun. Seen him a bunch of times, but they're not necessarily your concert venue headliners. Oh, I, at my concert sure. venue, they'll be my headliners. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, well, like I said, they're, they're coming back at the gas lamp, I think, uh, in the fall sometime. And they're going back to Sea Legs. In Huntington Beach, and a lot of their stuff. Not, as long as it's not a Friday, I think we'll be there. Well, Rob. They're South yeah, County guys. They're South County based. They're, they play a lot in down South Orange County because 
the lead guys from Capo Valley, a few other places down there, but um, they, they do come around here and, and, uh, or, or other places, but if you go on their website, that'd be fun. You guys want to go? I'll see you there. Heck yeah. Heck yeah, Rob. Hey, listen, you're, you are always so candid and honest with us and we really do appreciate it. Uh, and I say this for a lot of people who wouldn't get the opportunity. The CIF Southern section is better because of you. So thank you so much. Really appreciate it. And uh, Godspeed through this, uh, through this last year. We will talk again very, very soon. I really appreciate your kind words. Thanks to you guys. I, I love being on this journey with you. Um, you know, you've always represented the hometown and, and I've always wanted to, to be supportive of you and, and appreciate what you're doing for, for kids too, because uh, you're doing the same thing we are. You're trying to, to present this great thing that, that kids have an opportunity to do. Positive light, educational experience, follow these stories, follow these kids as they go beyond high school. Some of them, yes, we've had some great, great stuff going on with the pro ranks and the college ranks, but boy, you've had a lot of other students you've covered that are doing a lot of other things, not really do athletics and, and how athletics help them uh, go forward. So keep that up. Proud of you guys. Proud that you represent you know, my hometown. It means a lot. Everything that we do at the 562 is only possible because of the support of our readers and our sponsors. Uh, we want to give a shout out to uh, some of the sponsors that, that make sure that we stay in business and can continue to cover the Long Beach community. Naples Rib Company, longtime sponsors of everything that we do here at the 562.org. Also got to give a shout out to Ocean Law Center for their ongoing support of local sports coverage here at the 562. And also coming up, it is the start of a new school year, which means there's going to be a lot of previews for all the various sports, obviously starting with the fall sports. So keep an eye out for those season previews coming up and our sponsor for season previews for the 2022-23 school year is Vertical Rays. They are the official team fundraising partner of the 562. Thank you to Vertical Rays for their support. Thank you to all of our sponsors. And as you enjoy our coverage throughout the year, you will see the names, faces, businesses, whoever of all the uh, sponsors that have supported our sport coverage and our school's coverage uh, as we go on through the school year. Thank you so much to everyone who's supported the work that we do here at our nonprofit. We are so grateful for your support and can't wait to get after it for another school year here in Long Beach. So if you get to the 562.org this weekend, you're going to find the high school football previews for the city of Long Beach. We love doing that every year. Got the photo shoot together, got the highlight videos, starting lineup schedules, all that stuff available online this weekend i'm actually at wilson football practice right now and i'm being joined by an old friend of ours can i even call you bobby bruin anymore it's just bobby hawk coach bobby hawk what's the deal it's coach hawk um it's coach hawk jr um <laughs> since i'm coaching cross country this year um i'm an assistant coach for the girls um we have another coach who graduated too he's his name is coach Bruce Perrette. Um, he ran here back in the 80s with Mike Lynn. And then CJ Brewer, he's the program director, but head coach for, but the head coach for the boys. Right. So you guys been doing a lot of uh, training this summer, running around the city? I, th I think I saw you the other day running around the park. Yes, 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 yes. We ran around the park this last week and they're up in the they're up in the hills today. But that's not the only stuff you're doing this summer. You're also doing 49er camps, which is an institution over at Long Beach State. Young kids from around the city able to go there for a summer camp every year. And you're one of the counselors over there. What's the deal? 
Yes, I'm one of the counselors over at Long Beach State 49er camp, and what I do is when there's an early pickup, I get to um, escort their the kids to their parents, and then the parents have to sign out, and then they get to go home with the same parent that picked them up. So when you were a kid, did you ever go to 49er camp? Yes, I did. Um, I was 10 or 11. 10 or 11? Yes. Okay. Do you, what do you remember about it? Um, I remember we did archery, swimming, basketball, and um, we did track as well. So it brings back memories. It brings back memories. And I applied for it because one of my other friends named Joe Smith, who, gradu- who helped me here a long time ago um, during the Mario Morales days, um, he put in his application to the athletic department, but he wants to join yes, and he wants to join and help help out next year. What's your favorite uh, activity to run for the kids now that you're a counselor? What do you like? You like setting up the soccer field, or what's your deal? Um, I like um, I set up the East Gym. I set up when kids lo- like lost and found. I set up for the director Marvin. And then the other director named Corey, I, um, I help set up. And then sometimes if we're a short uh, counselor or an instructor, I go to this um, place called Outdoor Issues, which is a big equipment room. And that's pretty awesome as well. So you're kind of a glue guy. Everywhere you've been, you've worked here with Wilson football, Wilson basketball, obviously LBCC and St. Anthony as well. And everywhere you go, you're, you're kind of the glue guy. You're the guy who keeps it all together. Do you, do you like that role? Do you like being that type of dude for these programs? Yes. Yes, I do. Yes. And it's pretty nice that I have, that I have this summer job. And I want to say thank you to Corey and Marvin, the two directors that, that hired me this summer and I want to come back and do it again next year and and then I also and then there's also two girls from the Wilson cross country team that apply uh, that worked 49er camp and then even coach Houston's daughter is working 49er camp she was looking for a job and I told her to apply for it and she did so uh, I want to say that too. coach Houston's daughter applied for it and is working this summer too and our end of and party day is tomorrow kids are bringing pizza and other stuff and then there's former athletes that came here to wilson that know my dad and and that know me and that teach here too and a couple of my sister's friends have kids that go there as well and it brings back memories that's awesome, man. Uh, you are the type of person who makes this Long Beach sports community great. So thank you so much for uh, for working hard and staying in the business, dude. Best of luck during cross-country season and enjoy party day. That's it. That's all. There ain't no more. Another episode of What Up Long Beach being put into the books. Again, thank you to our guests for coming on to the show. You, a member of the Long Beach sports community. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Please get involved with this show. Hit us up. Easiest emails of all time. It's just our first names at the562.org. We're looking for sponsors. We're looking for segments. We're looking for interviews. If you want to come on the show, that's why it's here. We want to talk to you. We want to get down in the depths of Long Beach community sports and share it with everyone because it is just so darn beautiful. Again, mentioning the football previews 
available right now at the562.org. It's football season, baby. We are back and we are pumped. So get involved at the website on this show and everything else we do. Guess what? We're going to see you in the stands very soon. Take care, Long Beach.